Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 27. As Jesus said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Now, I know from speaking of you that uh, speaking to many of you that many of you are used to giving presentations at work, pitching to a client, presenting to the board or speaking at a conference. Uh, some of you will have uh, done it so often before that you're not even phased by it anymore. But uh, I, think it, I think it's fair to say that even the most experienced and accomplished public speakers have a slight fear of things going wrong. You know, um, the microphone not working, losing your notes, or losing your place in your notes. And then, of course, there's the fear of being heckled. It's happened to me a couple of times over the years. As a result, I find myself really impressed by people who know exactly what to say when they're interrupted like Arthur Smith, the English stand-up comic, who, when he was heckled during his act, responded, look, it's all right to donate your brain to science, but shouldn't you have waited till you died? (laughs) Or or back in history, Emmeline Pankhurst, the English suffragette who uh, helped women uh, win the, the, the right to vote, I love the way she dealt with a man in the crowd who said to her, if you were my wife, I'd poison you. She replied, no, you wouldn't. If you were my husband, I'd poison myself. Well, we'll look over the next three weeks. We'll see three occasions when Jesus is heckled. Uh, As crowds of people gathered around him, Jesus talked about the biggest questions of life and death, heaven and hell, how we can be right with God, all that sort of stuff. And yet, as these people interrupted Jesus, it's clear they had other issues on their minds. And it is fascinating how Jesus engages with those things, things that are often on our minds. This lunchtime, we meet our first heckler in Luke chapter 11, and the issue on their mind was how to be blessed. Look with me again at Luke chapter 11 and verse 27. As Jesus said these things, that is the things he'd been saying in the verses before to the crowds around him, as as Jesus said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and, and the breasts at which you nursed. Now, this heckler wasn't trying to put Jesus down or shut him up or throw him off. Quite the opposite. It seems she was completely enamored with him, amazed by all that she'd heard him say. So full of admiration for him, she was unable to contain herself. And so she blurted out, blessed is the womb that bore you, Jesus. We're so lucky to have you around, Jesus. Blessed be Mary for bearing you and nursing you and raising you. It's a remarkable comment. But even more remarkable is the way that Jesus responds. Verse 28, he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. It is a huge statement with enormous implications. And it takes us to the first point on our handout, if you're following along. The blessed life comes through the word of God. 
A few years ago, the word blessed was the sort of word reserved for the sort of religious zone of life. But no longer. Search hashtag blessed on Instagram and you'll find more than 100 million posts. Celebrities, sports stars, social media influences post pictures of beautiful places, new babies, graduations, weddings, sporting, sporting occasions, a, a night out with friends. And then they add the comment, the perfect day, hashtag blessed. Surrounded by these dudes, hashtag feeling blessed. My amazing family, hashtag blessed. Now, let's not knock it. Who doesn't want to be hashtag blessed? I mean, it beats the alternative, hashtag miserable or hashtag cursed. Indeed, can I suggest that everyone who walks planet Earth wants to be blessed? Can I suggest that it is the deep longing of the heart to be happy, to feel special, content, accepted, loved, at peace with ourselves and the world around us? And may I suggest that much of our lives are spent searching for that blessing in any number of things, and not least of all in the approval of others. Is it fair to say that we want someone to assure us that we're okay, that we're special, that we're wanted, that we're accepted, that we are loved? Early on in life, we, we look for and should get that assurance from our parents. But if we don't get it from our parents, we'll look for it from a lover, from a spouse, from a bestie. Some trying to find this elusive blessing in the successes of their children. I wonder if that's something, what was going on in the mind of this woman uh, who heckled Jesus. Look again at verse 27 and just try this for size. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you were nursed. Is not so much a high view of Mary, but this heckler saying, Mary is so lucky to have you as her son, Jesus. Oh, I'd love to have you as my son, Jesus. I think if that is what's going on, if this happened today, she'd have taken a selfie with Jesus and posted it with the comment, would be so blessed to have Jesus as my son. Unless, of course, she had some sons herself, in which case he wouldn't be quite so smart and move. Well, who knows what's going on? Anyway, the point is many, if not all of us, are looking to be blessed. And if we don't get it from someone close to us, we'll try to get it from a successful career, from our colleagues' acclaim, from academic achievement. C.S. Lewis, the Oxford Don and author of the Chronicles of Narnia, writes about this. Lewis suggests that we're all seeking to be blessed. He says we look for it in the love and approval of others. But he points out that it's never lasting or deep enough. It never sticks when it comes from someone or something else. In his book, Mere Christianity, Lewis puts it like this. Most people, if they really had learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it, but they never quite keep their promise, he writes. Lewis is saying we have longings, longing to be blessed, longings that we dare to think might be satisfied when we first fall in love or start planning our next foreign holiday or initially engage in a new subject or hobby that excites us. But this longing to be blessed is a longing that no marriage, no travel and no learning can ever really fully satisfy. It's like something posted on Snapchat disappears as quick as it's viewed. But here is Jesus telling us the way to true and lasting satisfaction. Verse 28 Hashtag blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And we won't look at it now, but from what Jesus has already said in Luke chapter 6, the blessed life 
Well, we know Jesus is talking about a deep, enduring sense of satisfaction, something that is rooted and solid and long-lasting, a deep-in-your-gut joy that doesn't shift with the circumstances of life, a blessing that lasts into eternity, all flowing from knowing that you are right with God. And if I can put it this way, knowing that you have God's smile of approval on your life. That's the blessed life that Jesus is talking about. And in verse 28, Jesus says it comes through, do you see it there? The word of God, through hearing it and then keeping it. Now, what a staggering surprise that is. I can think of three huge surprises that there may be that come out of that first. It's a surprise for anyone who has any kind of religious background that elevates or venerates Mary. Because here is Jesus saying, listen to the word of God and keep it, and you'll be even more blessed than the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, look, I need to stop here and say, if if hearing that feels like something of a theological earthquake, shaking precious and long-held feelings towards Mary, please know that that is not a pejorative comment about Mary. You can chase this up later. Read Luke chapter 1, and you'll see that Mary is indeed described as blessed. Indeed, arguably, we'd be hard-pressed to find many people in the history of the world who've been given a more privileged role than Mary. Mary was, after all, chosen to be none other than the mother of the saviour of the world. So in many ways, our anonymous heckler got it right, absolutely right. Blessed was the womb that bore Jesus. But Jesus is saying the blessing of God in our lives does not come through looking to Mary, but through looking at the word of God. And if you think Mary was blessed to be the mother of Jesus, wait for this. You can be even more blessed through reading and keeping God's word. Second, these words are surprising if you've been taught all your life that the way to a a blessed life comes through a successful career or a loving family or great friends or exotic holidays or whatever. That's what many of us are raised to believe. That's what I heard when I was being raised. And so what a surprise these words are, a surprise that could, again, well, leave us feeling pretty shaken. Because if we spent most of our lives investing in career or world travel or trying to find that elusive special person, only then to be told those things don't deliver, well, that is hard to hear. Although I guess some of you may already have a sneaking suspicion that that's the case anyway. Third, these words are a massive surprise to anyone who's never really read the Bible for themselves as an adult. Who'd have believed that the deepest longings of my heart, deep down satisfying joy and meaning, could be found in reading this book? But that is precisely what Jesus is saying here. And that's why what we do here every Tuesday is so important. And it's why many of us meet here at another time in the week in small groups to study the Bible. And why we have a Christian Explored course on a Wednesday. And why we sit down with friends in a coffee shop to read the Bible. Because in this book we discover the very thing we were made for and the very thing we long for. You'd never believe it, would you? Look, look, if someone walked in through the door right now and um, or came back this evening and saw hundreds of us gathered around tables of 10 or 12 people what they would see would look very ordinary, quite unspectacular. Here we are considering an ancient text written 2,000 years ago about a man who lived 2,000 years ago, who lived in a foreign land 2,000 miles away. At best, it looks like a quaint, ancient book club. 
to many, it looks like a ridiculous waste of time. But Jesus says what we're doing this lunchtime is the first step to fulfilling the longing of our souls. This is the way to be blessed. Down through the years, I've had the amazing privilege of seeing this being worked out in the lives of men and women over and over and over again. Most recently, with a couple of city workers that I'm reading the Bible with at the moment, I mentioned to one of them that I was speaking on this very thing this week, and he texted me this message and gave me permission to read it to you. He wrote, For me, reading the Bible was not only a life-changing experience, but a life-giving one. I discovered that contained within is the real meaning of life that I've instinctively always searched for but never really believed that I would find. Within its pages lies an offer direct from Jesus to know him and follow him into eternity and to be made whole in the only stable relationship that exists. From the words printed on its pages, I begin to know the Lord who is my freedom and hope. Isn't that brilliantly put? That is what Jesus is saying here. Hearing the word of God and then keeping it is the route to having our lives change for good. So if hearing and obeying God's word is the way to be blessed, then we won't be surprised to discover the very next thing Jesus says is that we should be sure to listen to God's word. And the second point on the handout. Look with me at verse 29. When the crowds were increasing, Jesus began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Blimey. The crowd gathering around, Jesus, uh, Jesus was getting bigger and bigger. And with such a huge crowd around him, well, I'd have expected him to spell out precisely how they could be sure of this blessed life. But verse 29, with the crowd increasing, Jesus said, this is an evil generation. In um, seven or eight weeks time, we'll have our carol services here. I know it's scary to think it's not that it's only that that far away. But there's a very good chance that when we do, this place will be packed full of people who wouldn't describe themselves as followers of Jesus. Some who've never been in this building before. What a thing if at 10 past one, Wes stood up, looked at the crowd in front of him and said, you really are an evil bunch. Welcome to St. Helens. I mean, you know, Jesus' words are a surprise here, to say the least. But Jesus spoke like this because this crowd hadn't gathered to listen to God's word, the very thing that they needed to, to, to fulfill their deepest longings. Rather, halfway through verse 29, they seek for a sign. You see, this crowd were treating Jesus like a circus act. They, they gathered for another episode of Israel's Got Talent. They wanted to witness the carpenter from Nazareth who could perform mighty miracles. They wanted Saturday night entertainment from the man who could perform spectacular tricks. And the thing is, this is precisely what had happened before the adoring woman shouted out from the crowd. Now look back with me to verse 14, just if you're on the the little Luke's Gospels just across the page. In verse 14, Jesus did give them a sign. Do you see it there? He cast out a demon from a man who was mute and the mute man spoke. It was another conclusive and powerful sign that Jesus is the king of the universe. I say another sign because by this point in Luke's gospel, uh, Jesus has performed a string of amazing, miraculous signs. And that is really important to note. Jesus doesn't object to people wanting evidence. He gave us evidence. He did things to prove that he was the long-awaited God and king. 
Jesus performed miracle after miracle as conclusive evidence that he was the one who could bring us the blessing that we all long for. So the problem here is not that they wanted proof. The problem is that even when Jesus performed miracles and gave conclusive evidence of who he was, it wasn't enough. When Jesus performed this particular miracle in verse 14, some in the crowd explained it away. Others wanted yet more signs. Look, verse 15, some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the the prince of demons, explaining away the miracle. They don't doubt the miracle happened. They just say, obviously came from the devil. While verse 16, others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. Let's have another one. We see it over and over in the Gospels. We see it in life today. Let me tell you about Stuart. Of course, I've changed his name, but Stuart and I were colleagues when I used to work in the newspaper industry. Stuart was interested in what I believed about Jesus, and so we started to read the Bible together. And Stuart was really taken by what he discovered about Jesus. Indeed, he said to me he could see that that Jesus could give him the blessed life that he longed for. And as Stuart saw Jesus perform miracles in the Bible, he didn't deny that the miracles happened, but he said, I just want to see one for myself. See, that's verse 16. I need a sign from heaven. Uh, He actually put it like this to me one day. He said, if I get home today and there's a pot of gold on my doorstep, then I'll believe. Uh, Stuart and I were good friends as well as colleagues. Indeed, I was his best man at his wedding. So we knew each other well enough for me to be pretty straight talking with him. And I said to him, but Stuart, if when you get home this evening, there is a pot of gold on the doorstep, you'll assume that somehow I've put it there. See, that's verse 15, given an alternative explanation for the miracle. I either want a miracle, or if I see one, I'll just explain it away. And what happened with Stuart is something of what was happening with this crowd in verses 14 to 16. And so as the crowd increased in verse 29, Jesus knew they hadn't gathered to hear God's word. They just wanted another miraculous sign. And he knew that even if he did give them yet another sign, they still would not believe. And that's why Jesus said, verse 29, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the son of man will be to this generation. The sign of Jonah. Jonah was um, an Old Testament prophet. Many of you will know most famous for being swallowed by a huge fish and then being spat out again. And so some suggest that the sign of Jonah here is the resurrection for just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, effectively dead, and then resurrected when the great sea creature vomited him onto the beach. So Jesus would be three days in the tomb before he emerged gloriously raised from the dead. But being swallowed by a fish was not the sign of Jonah to the Ninevites. You see, the Ninevites didn't witness Jonah's fishy resurrection. Look down with me at verse 32. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. See, the sign of Jonah to the people of Nineveh was Jonah's preaching. Uh, After his fishy experience, Jonah walked through the streets of Nineveh and proclaimed the word of God. And when the Ninevites heard the word of God, they repented. They were saved. They were hashtag blessed. Because verse 28, blessed are those who hear the word and keep it. So Jesus is saying to the crowd, you've come to see a sign, but all you need for your greatest need is to hear God's word. That's how you get the blessing that you're so longing for. 
the sign of Jonah, and then Jesus speaks of the southern queen, verse 31. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now, to avoid any confusion, the queen of the south is not a Scottish football team. Well, it is a Scottish football team, but it's obviously not who Jesus was referring to here. No, the queen of the south is the queen of Sheba. You can read about her in 1 Kings chapter 10 and 2 Chronicles chapter 9. And verse 31 tells us the queen of the south came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She actually traveled about 1,500 miles at a time when international travel was far from straightforward. No jumping on a plane, no comfortable business class, no she rode on a camel. I remember some years ago riding a camel for three or four hours in the scorching Mediterranean temperatures. The whole experience was so uncomfortable, but by the end of it, when I got off the smelly, irritable beast, for the rest of the day, I felt and behaved like a smelly, irritable beast. Um, It's not a comfortable way to travel. But the Queen of Sheba was prepared to travel the hazardous, unpleasant journey for two or three months because she was so keen to hear the wisdom of Solomon the word of God, so that she could be blessed. And so Jesus says, verse 31, oh, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth here, the wisdom of Solomon, behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And verse 32, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. See what Jesus is saying? The queen of the south went to the most extraordinary lengths to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and yet people won't even cross the road to hear God's word. The people of Nineveh listened to the preaching of Jonah, and yet people won't even read the words of Jesus with a Christian colleague over a coffee in Starbucks. And look, here in Jesus, we have someone greater, much greater than Jonah or Solomon. In Jesus, we have the very one who can bring us the blessed life of knowing forgiveness, knowing God, knowing deep down peace, knowing the certainty of life beyond the grave. And so to a crowd that wasn't interested in listening to Jesus and therefore not interested in listening to the word of God, only gathering around him to see yet another spectacular To anyone like that, Jesus said, woe betide you if you won't listen to God's word. And as we draw to a close, it is very striking that Jesus holds up here the Ninevites and the Queen of Sheba. They were both Gentiles, not Jewish, and therefore the last people on earth that Jesus' Jewish audience would have expected to receive the blessing of God. In Jonah's day, the Ninevites were Israel's arch enemies. Nineveh terrorized Israel, raided their land, entered their homes, murdered their people, kidnapped and raped their young women. And at the risk of being accused of stating the blindingly obvious, the Queen of Sheba was a woman, a Gentile woman. And I'm told that back in the day, many men would start their day with a prayer that said, I thank you, God, that I'm not a Gentile or a woman or a slave. And the Ninevites and the Queen of Sheba really were the last people on earth that Jesus' first hearers would have expected to receive the blessing of God on their lives. But they did through hearing and keeping the word of God. As we draw to a close now then, the message is clear. 
Jesus tells us how we can find the blessed life we're searching for. The blessed life that the most irreligious and unlikely characters can have. Jesus says, whoever you are, whatever we've done, we can find the deepest longing of our hearts, the thing we were made for, the the meaning of life, the blessing of God through the reading of God's word, the Bible, and reading it and then keeping it. So if you've never read the Bible as an adult, let me ask you if you will. Thanks for coming if this is your first time today or if you've only been coming for a short time. Let me ask you, will you, will you read the Bible for yourself? You can start by taking a copy of Luke's Gospel away with you. See this as a, our gift to you today. Come along next Tuesday when we'll hear one of the most compelling stories Jesus ever told. And why not join our Christian Explored course? It's on Wednesday lunchtimes uh, in this building. You could join tomorrow. Speak to Leo afterwards. He's uh, at a table over there. He'll be able to tell you more about that. And if you come with a Christian friend, ask them to read the Bible with you. Or, or if you've come on your own, ask me or someone else from the team here. We would be thrilled to go through a gospel with you. One way and another, verse 28, read the Bible And you could be truly hashtag blessed in this life and in the next. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that um, this blessed life, this life that I think all of us are looking for, whether we recognize it or realize it or not, we thank you that this blessed life is not a million miles away, that it's right there before our eyes, under our noses, And we pray that each one of us would take the time to do this very thing of hearing your word, reading the Bible, and then keeping it and knowing what it is to be truly blessed. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.